Welcome to The Ride. I'm Danny Thomas. This is a show offering different perspectives, stories and musings about the ride we're all on. Episodes consist of short rides, sweet rides and wild rides. Short rides are fiction stories inspired by themes from the show. Sweet rides are chats with extraordinary guests from a range of fields in the studio or online. And wild rides are where I head out into the wild with a guest and see what unfolds. So strap yourselves in and let's go. G'day guys, in this episode we take a wild ride with one of my best mates, Darian Shishka. He's an entrepreneur in gastronomy, film and architecture, a fellow father and all-round legend. For this wild ride, Darian arranged tickets to see one of our modern-day heroes, Russell Brand, at the Arts Centre as part of his recovery tour. On a balmy Melbourne evening, Darian and I sat by the bank of the Yarra River to chat before and after the show. This was recorded pre-corona crisis isolation. I hope the next half an hour or so can bring a little insight and entertainment in these changing times. So sit back and enjoy the ride. The reason Russell resonates with so many people is because he's a a real-life representation of a very philosophical, esoteric journey. Like, you read about it a lot, and you can intellectualise it, and and you can... It's very philosophical, saying you can have the world, and then you give it away, and then you... But you very rarely see it unfold in front of your own eyes, like in real physical, in real time. And I think that's why he's been so fascinating to me. I mean, what he's done is nothing unique it's probably happened throughout time many times but it's the only person I can think of in our time that has been that Messiah figure that Christ figure and I'm not getting religious I'm just saying that that archetypal character that has a potential path reaches it realizes that it's it's not it hasn't fulfilled him has to let it give everything away go back to basics, rebuild, Phoenix out of the ashes style sort of thing. So yeah, you and I have spoken about that sort of journey and we've practiced it through martial arts and, and, and through many conversations thousands of times. But to see it actually, to see someone actually do it, sort of the courage that it takes maybe, but with him I would say it almost wasn't courage, it was almost necessity because he was on a downward spiral, right? He was, if he hadn't done that, he may not be with us today maybe and he'd probably admit that himself probably. So that's that's why he's fascinated me so much and, and why he resonates with me because intellectually I get it, but to watch him too, it brings the, the, the philosophical side and the practical side together and go, well, anyone, anyone can really do it. It's, it's, a, it's a step-by-step process. And I think why I wanted to see him this time was because my sort of uh, journey this year from sort of the end of last year and contemplating what this was about um, perspective, trying to get a bigger, a better perspective on not only my life, but others around me so that those sort of connections that we're trying to get to can be realised. And I realised, and Russell spoke about it in his book with his recovery, which is which I read, it's about addiction, that all addictions are basically trying to fill a void of some sort. And that void usually, when you strip it all back to bare bones, is connection. Some sort of real, intimate connection. Some call it love. It doesn't have to be love. It's just that human, human-on-human connection, that real interaction. And I think, I thought, well, that's, that's, that's valid. We need to get there, right? But I thought you can't just force people to get connection. 
So I started just sort of concentrating what what do we need to what what do we do? What's the process of recreating connection? And to me, it was perspective. I think the biggest issue today is that no one takes any time to understand someone else's perspective before they judge them. Uh, and that's why, and that creates division straight away because it's, you already create, that's your you and I'm me because you judge them pre-understanding any of their background, their history, their story. And obviously, when, when you take that time to learn about someone, you get understanding. Understanding leads to empathy because you can then empathize with the situation. Empathy leads to compassion. Compassion leads to connection. So there's like a, there's a step by step. So I was thinking to myself, what my what my purpose this year, what my big push this year was going to be, before judging someone or something, was to make the effort to try to understand where it comes from first. So I've been trying to do that. Addiction, recovery. Again, not not just looking at as you say, addiction digs deeper into your yearning for connection. 100%. And, and, and I mean, they're not my words, they're his words, but I, from, from hearing his perspective, and, and what he's saying is that people judge addictions differently. If you're a heroin addict, very different to being addicted to shopping. But the core schism in your psychology is the same. You're just lucky that your situation has allowed you that your, your addiction is being manifested through shopping or love of money. Whereas someone who's had less of a stable upbringing, their addiction is going to be through something more hardcore. Drugs, you know, even sex addiction hasn't got a stigma to it. People got sex addiction, ah, yeah. But he was both, and he, he really, because he was addicted to so many things, and he has addictive personality, he sort of cut through the curtain and seen behind the curtain and gone, well, all of my addictions stemmed from the same spot. So it's really interesting to, to think about that. And in, in, and in his book, his 12 Steps, his recovery book, which he might talk about tonight, he talks about go through and start and list your addictions. You know, and you know, I still smoke. I, I wouldn't say that I, which is an addiction, because I mean, I, I don't have to smoke, but when I really want one, I have one. When I feel like I really need one, so that's controlling me to a degree. And so it's funny that they're all small little things. It's not like you're sitting in front of the computer and jerking off all the time. But it's it's funny once you actually strip it back. You could probably list coffee. Definitely get the coffee. So they're small little things, right? And people say, oh, they're not addictions. But you still, what's what's the thing that's make? What's the core making you wanting to? When you get up in the morning, why can't you just not have a coffee? I need my coffee to feel why. Why do you need a coffee to feel right? What's what 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 are you feeling first thing in the morning when you wake up from your hollow dreams and your shallow life that you need a coffee just to stimulate you? I'm getting I, I, I've, been descri- I've been describing it lately as I need a uh, I need a kick from something, right? Now I'm always like, what am I going to get my kicks from? I get my kicks, Craig. I do get my kicks, Craig. Yeah. But I've never been able to not have one. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe maybe that's the wrong. Maybe I'm wrong in saying you should. That, that addiction. I mean, I, I get you, you need to get stimulated from something. Something's going to stimulate you. I guess when that stimulation becomes destructive, that that's where it starts to become a negative connotation. But I mean, Russell Rang, he's doing yoga and meditation. If you get your kicks from yoga and meditation, far better than the heroin and cocaine. Yeah. And to quote the man again, I think. But he said, you know, you got to put your faith in something. And some yeah. people put their faith in Western in, in a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Some people put their faith in Western United. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, yeah, where? But my understanding with these 12 steps is, you know, a lot of that is, 
how are you going to give back to your community and how are you going to help others? And that's what creates, that seems to be giving him much more fulfillment than this celebrity type stuff ever did. Yeah. The, more, the more he's in the community, the more he's helping people, the more he's helping people in recovery, um, that seems to be proven his. Um, I, uh, I think you're right, but I think that stems from number one, he reconnected with himself before, 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 before he did, but then he started. Well, so he, he, he took put, put a lot of time and effort, stripped back all the layers, and then started having a dialogue with himself, an honest dialogue, and finding peace within himself. So that's the first connection you need to make, remake, and I, and you say oh, that's easy, but. In today's time, it's probably I reckon we're the most disconnected from ourselves than we've probably ever been, just because we're distracted more often, and also because we're divided. We're, the world's so divisive now, into so many different. It's not just male, female, straight, gay. It's seventeen different gender associations now. It's it's you know it's fifteen spectrums, fifteen degrees of the political spectrum. You're not just left and right. You're middle left to socialist, democratic. So it's getting. It's almost getting to the point where it's it's self not it's it's exploding to a point where it can't it can't hold its form anymore, which is a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You and I have been talking about wanting potentially the system, this broken system, to implode. Right, so I was going to say, is this is this toilet paper disappearing off shelves? Is this the start of the system collapsing? The beauty about this madness is it, it's a great opportunity to step back and look at the madness of of, of humanity. Some doomsdayers started stockpiling toilet paper because they thought maybe they thought most of it comes from China and we're going to run out right? right what happens is they clear the shelves and then people that aren't doomsdays that just want to wipe their ass now they have to go now they have to run to the because they're they don't know when the they're store. put into the shit the store. Store. and this is no pun intended but you see do you see how, how quickly pack mentality overrides logic of fear and pack mentality so this this thing was started by probably a real minority of people. Doesn't have many people to clear shelves in Coles though. If think about how many people are, True. and then now and 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 I'm not. I'm the one that's people going. What a fucking joke! But we've got like eight rolls at home, and now I'm going. Now I'm going. Where are we where are we going to get our toilet paper from? So normal logical people are now drawn into the fact that fuck, I've got to go stockpile as well. I was having this just to close the toilet paper out. I was having this conversation in the in the at the gym this morning that isn't it amazing in, in Australia you've got, for listeners overseas we had the you know, devastating bushfires and we saw the best of human the human spirit people donated millions of dollars gave away food and clothes and to people in need right a month later people are stockpiling toilet and sanitary napkins Right for themselves individually to be greedy, while other people who don't have the money to stockpile are going to have dirty asses for six months. I just touched on that because that's interesting to say because I've been home for a three week period now, and at the start of the three weeks, having been away when the bushfires were happening, having been in Germany, I felt I felt the distance, and I could sense what was going on at home, and I felt I needed to be here, and I got here at the tail end, tail end when the fires eased. But I was I was amazed and blown away by like when I was watching one of the charity concerts and people were just donating left, right, centre, and everyone was coming together. It's exactly as you say. It was really amazing coming together as a nation and just you know just bonding as a, as a, as a nation. That was the start of the three weeks. Three weeks on, 
people are, people are having a shit fight. Yeah, so, so, so that's what I mean. You've got the, the, the capacity of the human being, the, the capacity of the species to do the altruistic, charitable, compassionate things, and then that's, that's in the face of tragedy, but in the face of fear, we regress back to our base primal instinct of self-preservation, protection, you know, greed, they're fear-based. Fear creates that division, that sense of us versus them, those negative emotions, which in that state you're easily controlled. Because a population happy and content and confident are far less easily controlled than a population that fears for its safety and existence. Darren and I trained in martial arts and it was a very, very significant uh, form of training for us in so many ways. We could, we could really... It's a whole podcast it's in itself. It's a whole podcast in itself. But, um, I think, you know, one, one of the many, many areas that we touched on was a sense of getting back to a primal, particularly in a masculine way and getting back to a primal kind of way of being in some, some form. This... This kind of thin veil and society collapsing is almost getting back to the primal in a way where people start, um, mm. start it all kind of unravels. Yes. How do we get back to a primal existence in a healthy way, or do we need to get back? Well, I, but, but this, but uh, yes, we do. But I don't think there's an easy way to get there. I think, I think the transition from this because it's been because this thin veil has. Um, um, preconditioned us, us as a total society so much that the transition will be brutal and will be savage, and there will be a lot of carnage in the. It won't be. It won't be a smooth transition. Which is often the case. With of, change. of course, with any sort of change. any sort of real change. Real it ain't, change. It ain't it pretty, ain't pretty ain't because smooth. because the people the only people that want to keep it the way it is are the people benefiting from it, and those you would suggest those people aren't the nicest people. Because basically they're wanting to keep a, 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 a diseased, unhealthy system around for their own gain. So there's not, there's not a, it's, it's, we wouldn't say it's a constructive, positive system at the moment. We're, so, we're probably, we're probably, we're probably um, as Rusty would say again, it, it taps into the, the worst parts of human nature. Whereas a shift to something that tapped into the best parts would be a totally different looking society. But at the moment, and we're part of it, so we can't blame all those. We buy in, we get we get pre we get preconditioned, and we get taught, and we get you know sort of um, what's the word um, indoctrinated into this system. So a part of it, you say, oh, well, I, this has been happening since I was six, five or six. So what chance did I have? But at some point, you wake up. But have you got the car? How many? A certain amount of people need to wake up, and there's a sort of courageous moment where you say, enough's enough. But enough's enough in the sense that I'm gonna I'm gonna accept that it could potentially end my life or could potentially destroy my way of being. But I know there's a bigger there's a bigger there's a bigger purpose here. There's a it's not just me. It's my kids and their kids that I'm fighting for now. Just not just my life. And I and I guess you know we you're a father of a, of a seven year old boy and I have a two year old. It changes your you know, it's a lot less about, oh, well, I'm worried about, I don't want to die. But if someone said, oh, if you had to give up your life so that Leo or my son Hunter could live in a better world or live a better life, it becomes far less a question, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. You know, if someone said that to me before, I'd say, oh, fuck them. Everyone to their own. 
and I guess that's the moment. I mean, and Rusty's had kids, and I've seen, and that's the been interesting part of following his transition too. Family changes things significantly, but maybe that's that's the bigger picture about the perspective of being a father versus being an individual. It's all about perspective again. It changes your worldview. So if you treat everyone around you as not as uh, different but the same family, they're part of the human species, the family, and, and, and the, 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 the evolutionary shift is a human shift. It's not going to be, um, it's not going to be scientific, it's not going to be political, it's not going to be spiritual, it's not going to be, it's going to be a human consciousness shift to that positive side of things. And I don't think it's a big thing. It's just that shift of being of, 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 of I don't know what would I don't know what would trigger it. Probably, uh, probably a distra- Probably that veil gets stripped away. There's there's chaos. The, the, the half the population is is wiped is, is wiped out. Like just just through systems shut down, food becomes scarce, power becomes scarce. Only a small amount of people survive. Now, what you hope is that the ones that do survive, there's a there's a there's a remembrance of that civilized of, of, of the previous civilization. What went wrong? A potential reboot. I can't see how you can fix. I don't want to be a doomsday, but I can't see how you the can house, fix. The cards have got to fall. The house has to burn. <laughs> The phoenix but can only rise from the ash. Yes, which brings me to the ego. <laughs> Darry and I and Rusty, old Russ. I'd say we have serious, but there's, a, there's a serious ego problem. Well, we're not a problem. No, I'm saying the ego is, is something that we've collectively tussled with. 100%. We've tussled with it continuously and we, we have tried to consciously... Uh, take on the ego and just be aware when it's um. Well, how do you define the ego? Well, no, but I think that this journey that we're talking about, this hero's journey, part of it is confronting and defeating the ego. That's part of that journey. That, that's why we're surprising from the ashes. Well. That's that's that, correct. Correct. So you know that in that journey to get to it, like it's it's youth innocence. And then through innocence, an inflated sense of self and ego, until you're confronted with challenges, loss, pain, suffering, and the ego then gets put back in its place. And then usually a mentor comes along while you're in your shattered state of, of ego. You know, your ego makes you think you're invincible, you're everything. You all of a sudden realize that that was false. I'm sitting here a shell of myself because I've relied on ego, not on personal, not on a, not on a, a, a soulful growth, but an external growth. And then a mentor comes along, guides you through the pain, and you start you start the journey, you start rebuilding it out, you get resilience and strength and perspective and understanding, and you become king. And so from prince to king, but the, the, the king is not king in the sense of I own everything. It's king of the ego. So the ego was in control, and then the I becomes in control of the ego. So the, the, the essence of you is the king, no longer DT, the actor, musician, father, but DT, the, the spirit, is the king. How important have mentors been to you? I mean, we've shared one. I would have to say that Sean is my only... From from an old, oh no, my grandfather was a pretty big mentor. Um, I know it's not supposed to be um, like 
like family, but I think your grandfather's different to your father. Like grandfather's more like elders. I think. There's, distance there. There's distance there, and they didn't raise you. Right, so he's been, but they're they're massive, and 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 I mean I don't know you have to you'd have to talk to women about female mentors and how they how important they are to them. But from a male perspective, we know. I mean, we got together a couple of weeks ago and uh, up at up at a farm, and we four four mates were sitting on the couch, and a lot of the conversation was about father, wasn't it? Uh, it was some some deep. Um, yeah, it unexpectedly went there. It, it, it did. Well, you started it. <laughs> started. It's it. interesting <laughs> to say that because it may have continued after. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. There was a bit of an Iron John, Iron John uh, moment, which which often yeah. happens when we we mild. Oh, right. Which often happens. Partly, you know, coming home when I've been away. From, when, when you return, as as listeners would know, spend time away from. From their hometown, you know, whenever you, whenever you get back for a visit, it tends to bring up, uh, to bring up stuff. So it was kind of a combination of that. There was definitely a father son uh, after after our conversation, yeah, which was a chat, which was partly me challenging myself to be uh, to to take on the discomfort of some unsaid stuff, uh, which I'm not only in that sense, but I'm trying to do that. Speak about the unsaid stuff, put it on the table in relationships. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily to ruffle feathers, but yeah. I've often found when you do address what's not being said in the room, it benefits particularly relationships. And it may be very, it's it's just it's very it's not comfortable, so it's easier not to do it. Yeah. But when I find I'm finding that when you just uh, when you just have a crack and you lay it out there, it's often very. Uh, Cathartic. Cathartic. Uh, it often just helps things. Pushes things forward. Pushes things forward because, and again, going back to perspective, the biggest, I'd say the biggest thing that came out of, uh, one of the things that came out of that father's something that I had recently was his perspective. Understanding his point of view. Understand, understanding each other's perspective. And it wasn't a, you're right or wrong, I'm the father, you're the son, you're the, it was just perspective. This is where I'm coming from. Yeah. That's where you're coming from. Yeah. And that's applicable to, to all sorts of relationships, whether they're business or romantic or Husband, wife, whatever. Family. Um, 100%. 100%. It's, it's about perspective. And um, as you said at the start, it's, we're in an age where, where people, people don't necessarily go to that level of understanding where someone's coming from. I think, I think more than ever we're instantly judged. More than ever. I don't know why, but I think it might be this continual distraction and divisiveness of everything. It just, it just allows you to judge more quickly. Because you can very, very, you can very easily pick yourself as someone against someone else. I find it's how you how you raise those unsaid things, not whether you raise them. Yeah. If, you, if you approach it in a calm, unemotional way, it, it's far it's dealt with far better because the other person doesn't get the because they're not comfortable. And usually, when you raise those, people can very easily take them as attacks or whatever, and so they get defensive. So if you come in on a very neutral, emotional level, say, "Look, I, I just want to let you know how I feel." It's not about always. You know, you you know, there's a very and it's very subtle, but it, it's a, it changes the the dialogue and the conversation. 
spoken very quickly. To go back to when this, this conversation came out of mentors, so uh, you know, we're, we were talking about that. You know, we all we all sat on the couch and. A few of us have had too many whiskeys. DT hadn't, but a couple have had too many whiskeys. But, but it's interesting that, that everyone had some level of father issue. And I think I think that, that that's the point, is that the, 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 the journey from boy to man is you have to confront your father because your father is your first male role model, but also your first um, controller. He's your first... He's your first captain that, that you're, his, you're his soldier and he's your captain. So he's, he's the first one telling you what to do, how to do it. And so for, to, to become your own man, you have to challenge and break through that. So that's why, so that's why mentor is important because after that, if you don't have that moment, you're always, I would, I would suggest, and obviously I don't, have the, I don't have the data, but I would suggest that you potentially never fulfill your potential as a man if you always live under your father's shadow number one yes you've, you've, you've got to somehow it's not, it's not saying you've got to cast him aside but you've got to come out from his shadow as him being the controller of you yeah coming right? you've got to come to your own once you come into your own you're then floating in a abyss in the void without any guidance because for most people the father figure is the, the male guiding figure for a, for, for a boy and that's why mentors are so important and they can't be your father so they have to be some other external source and hence hence the mentor and it could be a grandfather it could be a, a, a and usually they're older so you know I mean I, I, I I'm humbled to think that I'm a mentor I mean I consider us more peers than mentors I'm a little bit older than you but I get I get as much from talking to you as you do from talking to me so it's a little bit different and maybe that happens with mentors too fathers want to keep you a boy under their control mentors want to make you a man and there's the I think that's the that's the clear divide and I think once you take ownership once you do come into your own and take true ownership on your your values or what you're trying to do you're going to be confronted in many many areas many relationships not just like if you truly take ownership on stuff you're going to get some friction yeah. in various various ways of course of course but but the, the first principles is that the biggest schism is to make sure that you have respect for yourself, you're confident, you have respect for That's a very individual. Once you have that, that's going to flow onto every relationship you have. And as you said with Russell, by his journey, you know, he took the time to do that, to recover, yes. get himself actually yes. not only recovered, but thriving. Yeah. And then, then, you're in, then you're in that position where you can... Yeah, it was a new springboard to, well, really, I mean, you know, it'd be a great question to him. When did you think you became a man? It'd be a fantastic question because I was just right up to, while he was an addict, uh, sex addict uh, on drugs, living a a superfluous life, I bet you he'd still consider himself a boy, just a boy living in a man's world. His perfect archetypal journey, that was from pushing through his addiction and letting go of all the... Like all those bright lights and all of the attractions, all this, all the bakery. Like you know, that's what makes it so amazing. You got through it. Most people don't. Most people don't make it. 
but as part of this wild ride, I reckon we're going to take a walk along the river. Do it. Um, one because the sounds totally different. So yeah, this last this little bit. Be, this last little bit might have been a little bit. It's going to be an editing challenge for DT with the background noise. I'll drop the background noise. I think it's good to go for a walk. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Let's go for a wonder. You pulled that thing out. I thought it was like a vape. I thought you were on the vapes. Get some e-cigarettes. Continuing the wild ride, Darren and I was getting a bit loud there. We've we're walking along the bank of the Yarra now. We're going to cross the bridge looking for some yeah. food. You see this boat? So you could hire a boat, and you just, it's just a, it's a it's a bar. <laughs> so they just, a, oh, they just said, okay, just drives up and down for an hour and a half. That, where's the bar though? On the bar, it's just fully stocked. That's pretty cool. We should do that, mate. Yeah. Now. On a boat, not here. <laughs> Usually, yeah, that's, 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 that's you know, you know, I went to a Bucks in Berlin, and we had a um, we had a beer bike where you pedal. Hey, you're pedaling. There's all oh, yes, of you pedaling. There's that. a bar in the middle, and the guys running up and down giving you beers while you're pedaling this bike. And when we did it, there was um, in Potsdamer Platz, there was uh, roadworks and shit. So we ended up on the motorway on the beer bike. <laughs> Pedaling like fucking crazy down the down the autobahn on a beer bike. <laughs> Ferraris go past the show fifty clicks. <laughs> so this is the float. That's a serious uh, thing. All beautiful people hang out. Is this new? Oh no, it's been a few years. I remember this from yeah, last yeah, this time. This was here. This is the that's the um that's the Arbery. I don't think we could do any recording in there. Is that where we're going after? Well, I don't know if we'll. <laughs> I don't know if we'd have the uh, the the audio might be the music might be a little loud. <laughs> Jesus, it goes down here oh, as yeah, well. Wow, Melbourne! What a town, huh? Oh, here's oh, yeah. security to knock us back. Oh, this is like if the new. Got, if we're not rusty with us, of course they're going to let us in. <laughs> Saturday night on the float. <laughs> the old, the old Danny and LDT and King Gurkha may have got into a bit of trouble on the float. I think. <laughs> Actually, the new DT King Gurkha might get in trouble on the float on a, as well. On a, on a whole different, different level. level. On a whole different level. That's classic. So you can hire, you can hire like lounges. They're taking that European sort of, sort of Mediterranean model, but it's but it's on a filthy, <laughs> a filthy, dirty era. Darren and I are inside the art centre now. The stage is set. There's just one white leather chair on the stage there. Russell Brand screen on the screen above. Any pre-show thoughts? Well, just we've both noticed that the Russell Brand A is a. Uh, a pyramid with the all-seeing eye so i mean that might be a sign of things to come very excited though very i'm so the the the, uh, the butterflies have started to enter the stomach looking at uh enjoying to see one of our uh, our mentors from a, a distance talk to us so let's talk afterwards and see what uh potentially we got out of it there's a lot going on in Melbourne tonight. The MCG's lit up. The Moomba rides are pumping. The lights are in the sky. It's a full fucking moon. There's, bag, there's Elmo playing fucking bagpipes. Oh, we're back on. <laughs> this so, thing doesn't matter, mate. So, this so, thing matter. Uh, well, the point was, that we we're going to ask at the after the thing, what stood out for you? Oh, true. In a bigger sense, just again, materiality ain't where it's at. 
and that actually, you know, giving, mm. giving back. Mm. This was for actually for somebody who might need to stay, take those initial steps towards. Mm. Whereas I think, not to say, not to say that we're we're above it. Fully enlightened, but I think we've both we've done already a lot started of, the journey. Yeah, and we've both done a heck of a lot of self yeah. work. Maybe not through his twelve step program in like that sequence. Yeah, this is this is the irony, but he's actually been a pivotal person that I listened to in terms of getting yeah. to this stage of life. Yeah. So then when, I, when I've gone and seen him speak, he's, he's reiterating what he's already helped me. So to see it in real life is cool, yeah. but I'm not walking around way away going, oh, I really had a profound uh, yes, lesson yes. tonight. Because I, 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 I feel exactly the same. That's I feel exactly the same. I think I get more out of listening to him talk to other people. So he, I, I feel... I, I feel he's better when he's bouncing off yeah. someone with different ideas and he has an open dialogue because yeah. he's he has the ability to be open and that's one of his strengths. When he's pre- preaching in inverted commas, which is sort of what he's doing in a one-man show, it, not that he was preaching, but he becomes a bit preachy because he's just talking, talking, talking. Mm-hmm. And even that reading out people, so I know what he was trying to do. He was just trying to disarm everyone yeah. that we're all, we're, we're, we're all right. flawed. We're all, we're we're all flawed. Right. We've all got issues. So everyone just let, let that go yeah. and now open up to the, to the, to the lessons. That's what he's trying to do, which is cool. But yeah, I'm with you. Yes. I thought, oh, there's going to be some profound thing or we're going to ask a question and there's going to be this and that and, and you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But actually it doesn't need to. We, uh, we got, uh, we got what we needed to get. Just keep moving forward. But if the, the philosophy is right and the focus and the attention is right, I think living in the now is a big one. I've always known that, but I know how hard that fucking is as well. Whatever our instinct was pre this was right on the money. That's that's my big lesson. And speaking of headed in, in the right direction, we're going to go listen yeah. to some jazz. Yeah, the jazz, have a cigar and have a whiskey. There you go, guys. The sound got a bit rough there at the end, but that was quite the evening. It's all about perspective, I reckon. For the next episode, I'll be writing a short ride, which is a fiction story based on a theme from this episode, and the theme will be the hero's journey. If you want to write a story inspired by the hero's journey too, I would be grateful for the opportunity to share it on the show. All you need to do is email me at lionfuryproductions at gmail.com or hit me up on DT the Ride on Instagram. This show comes straight from the heart and with a lot of hard work. If you wish to support the ride so I can continue to enhance the experience, there's a Patreon link below with more info. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch you next time.